If you have your Bible with you, it would be helpful to have it open at Mark chapter 16. And as I said, we will be looking at verses 1 to 8 in particular. And um, there's a theme which you may not expect in these opening verses. Uh, These verses describe the first news of Christ's resurrection, which you would think was news of great joy. And indeed it was. Uh, But the theme which Mark chooses to emphasize in these eight verses isn't joy, but fear. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, The main uh, aspect which Mark decides and chooses to emphasize is the fear of the women as they hear the news of the resurrection. Uh, Fear is something we're all familiar with, aren't we? We all have all sorts of different fears. A little look online and... Uh, There's all sorts of different types of fear out there. Uh, There's misophobia, which apparently is the fear of dirt. Uh, Hydrophobia is the fear of water. Uh, Nyclophobia is the fear of darkness. Aquaphobia is the fear of high places. Taxophobia isn't the fear of taxes. It's the fear of being buried alive. Uh, Xenophobia is the fear of strangers or of outsiders. Necrophobia is a fear of the dead. Claustrophobia is a fear of confined places. Triskaidekaphophobia is the fear of the number 13. There's all sorts of different fears out there. Perhaps you could relate to some of those. And it's fear which Mark chooses to emphasize in these verses. I don't know if you noticed uh, a sharp change in tone in the passage we read. There's a sharp change between verses 8 and 9. If you didn't pick it up, let me read it again. I'll read from verse 8. Mark has been describing how the women go into the tomb and they hear the news from the angel in the form of a young man. And it says in verse 8, So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, and he continues... Do you notice the shift in tone? Uh, Verse 9 sounds like uh, the start of a new paragraph, uh, or even of a new chapter. Uh, If Mark chapter 16 was a film, then the screen would fade to black after verse 8, and then it would pick up again in a new scene in verse 9. For whatever reason, Mark chooses to stop the story 
in verse 8, emphasizing that the women's initial reaction to this stupendous news that Jesus had risen from the dead was fear and amazement. And he tells us that they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Then there's a paragraph break, and then it continues in another place. So what we'd like to do this evening is try to understand better why were the women afraid? Why does Mark want to emphasize this aspect? Uh, As we'll see before the end, other Gospels give us more information. That's not actually where the story ends. Something else happens afterwards, but Mark chooses not to share that. Instead, he stops at this, what seems to us, a strange point. Of course, in verses 9 onwards, he does describe the rest of the story but only with this break. So why were they afraid? Why were the women so terrified after hearing this news? Because after all, uh, they had many reasons not to be afraid. Uh, First of all, they were commanded not to be. Did you notice that? Uh, It says in verse 6, Uh, In verse 5, they go into the tomb, the tomb with a stone rolled away, and they are baffled, first of all, by that. Who moved the stone? And then they walk in and they see a young man uh, sitting on the right side of the uh, clothes which Jesus had been laying in, the linen robes which he had been laid in. And it says they were alarmed. But in verse 6 it says, But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. He says, don't be afraid. Uh, This angel, who's in the form of a young man, says to them, you don't need to be scared. You do not need to be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And yet, We're told, despite this command, despite this comfort, it says in verse 8, they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Despite the command from this angel, they were still afraid. And isn't that so much like us? Um... We are told repeatedly in the Bible, do not be afraid, fear not. In fact, you may have heard um, it said that there are 365 commands to not fear in the Bible. Well, I'm sorry to share with you, that's a myth. I can't count that many anyway. Um, In my count, there's roughly about 100 commands not to fear and a good number of those are given to specific individuals in very specific circumstances don't always believe what you hear preachers or little things online what they say they might sound good that doesn't always mean they are true Um, just because people say there's one command not to fear for every day of the year however good that might sound is not necessarily the case 
Nevertheless, there are many warnings in Scripture, up to about a hundred of them, telling us that we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to fear. And yet, we're so often afraid. We so often do fear. We, like the women, ignore the commands and we feel anxious and afraid anyway. So that's the first reason why they didn't need to be afraid. But there's a second reason as well, the most obvious one. They had just been given the best news they could ever hear. They had been given good news. Look again at verse 6. It says, but he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. These women had been grieving for three days over the death of their master, of their rabbi, the one they loved dearly, uh, the one who they were showing their love for for being there in the first place to anoint the body with ointment and perfume. And this should have been the best possible news. This should have been the news which would make them happiest in all the world. And yet, they fled from the tomb afraid. And they were too afraid to speak anything to anyone. But again... Uh, The same is so often true of us as well. Jesus is alive. Uh, We profess to be followers of Christ. We profess to love him. And so why should we be afraid, given that our Lord is alive and he has conquered death? death. Uh, What's the worst thing that can happen to us? The worst thing that can happen to us is that We die. But Jesus has conquered death. He passed through death. And if we are trusting in him, we will as well. So why do we need to be afraid? Why do we need to fear? Uh, Apparently the first two uh, missionaries to the New Hebrides Islands, uh, I don't know what they're called today, I think it's Vanuatu, and uh, down near Indonesia, that direction, Uh, But the first missionaries to go there were killed and eaten by cannibals uh, on the day they arrived. And as you can imagine, it proved difficult uh, to find missionary volunteers after that. Uh, But one uh, Scottish man, John G. Payton, uh, agreed to go and had a zeal and a desire to go and reach these people with the gospel. And his church, or people in his church, tried to dissuade him. Uh, He had a flourishing ministry amongst young people in, I think it was in Glasgow. And he had people flocking to his Sunday schools and the work he was doing there. And they said, look at how much God is using you here. Don't go to the New Hebrides. Uh, Don't go to the middle of nowhere. You will be eaten by cannibals. But Peyton responded to these objections and he said these words he said i confess to you that if i can but live and die serving and honoring the lord jesus it will make no difference to me whether i'm eaten by cannibals or by worms and in the great day my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen 
redeemer. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying we're all going to be eaten by something in the end anyway, whether that be cannibals or whether it be worms in the grave. And all believers will be raised and given a new resurrection body just the same. So he said, why should I fear death? And after 15 years of ministry and hard years, uh, you can read the, his autobiography to find more details, uh, almost everyone on the island of Aniwa, where he went, was converted to Christ. Uh, but he understood the good news. He understood the good news that Christ was alive. And because Christ lived, he would live also regardless of what happened to him in life. But again, we like the women, despite this wonderful news, we can be afraid. We can be fearful. And we can be fearful to tell others the news because of this fear, despite the good news that we say we believe. So that's the second a reason they should have rejoiced and didn't have any need to fear. There's a third reason as well. Did you notice that not only uh, had they been commanded not to fear, not only had they been given amazingly wonderful news, but they also had a task to occupy them, to distract them from any fear that they had. Look at verse 7. The angel continues and says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Just incidentally, uh, by the way, uh, I was tempted to do a sermon on those two words in verse seven and Peter. Uh, I just love how God gave that message to the angel to focus particularly on Peter, who had recently just denied Christ. Maybe that'll be a, another message sometime, but we won't focus on that for now. Instead, what we'll focus on is this angel gives them a task to complete. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but often fear disappears or at least diminishes when we actually do something active to combat that fear. Uh, fear and anxiety is often worst when we're sitting there worrying about the thing that we fear. Uh, the apprehension and the anticipation of something bad is often worse than the thing itself. Have you ever noticed that? A sportsman is fearful and anxious before the big match, but the anxiety melts away once the whistle blows and they get going playing the match. Uh, the student before the exam has their stomach in knots, but during the exam they're so busy focusing on the questions they don't have time to worry about the result. Uh, the soldier going into battle... Uh, may worry as he journeys on the tank or in the uh, truck or on the ship which is taking him to the battle. But once he's in the battle, his concentration is on survival and on completing the mission. Uh, 
It's good advice that if you are anxious about anything, uh, try to channel your energy into some useful activity. Uh, Worry does nothing. Worry doesn't help anyone, least of all yourself. Uh, Even if that activity is simply prayer to God, that is better than simply worrying and succumbing to the fear. And these women are given a task to accomplish. They're told, go, tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. But instead of obeying, what does it say? It says, they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Instead of allowing obedience to conquer their fear, their fear prevented their obedience. And once again, that's so often the case with us, isn't it? We have anxieties, we have fears, we have worries. And instead of worrying more about being obedient, we allow our worries to stop us being obedient and how many worries and fears actually if only we knew it we would save ourselves if our first concern was obeying Christ rather than worrying about the consequences if we do so we can see three reasons why these women should not have been afraid and yet verse 8 tells us that initially They leave the tomb and they're afraid to say anything to anyone. That still doesn't answer the question, does it? Why? Why were they so afraid? When there were so many reasons not to be, why were they? And the short answer is this. The short answer is that they didn't understand what had happened. They didn't understand what had happened. That's what's meant when it says they trembled and were amazed. That's not necessarily a positive word. We say we find something amazing because it's wonderful. Perhaps we could say they trembled and were confused. They did not understand. They couldn't process what the young man was saying to them. And this by the way, is a little bit of a theme uh, through Mark's gospel. Uh, The theme is people being confused by Christ and therefore being afraid. For example, in chapter 5, do you remember when Jesus healed the man who was possessed by many demons, uh, the man called Legion? And we're told the people of the region, when they saw Legion clothed, And in his right mind, they could not understand what had happened. And we're told they were afraid. And they asked Jesus to go, to not stay in the area. Such was their fear. In chapter 6, the disciples see a figure walking on the water towards them. And we're told they didn't understand and they were afraid. But Jesus said, do not be afraid. 
it is I. In chapter 9, remember the mountain of transfiguration and Jesus appears shining white in glory uh, with uh, Elijah and Moses on his left and on his right. And James and John and Peter see this and we're told that Peter spoke not knowing what to say. Uh, He couldn't understand it and he was afraid. Scripture tells us. And just one more example. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples that he was journeying to Jerusalem. And there he must suffer. There he must die. There he must be crucified. And after three days, rise again. And the disciples said, this cannot be. They didn't understand it. And we're told they followed him fearful and trembling. They didn't understand, and so they were afraid. It's the same here at the empty tomb. The women did not understand the resurrection, and so they were afraid. And you know, it's the same with us today. I don't know what fears or anxieties you're wrestling with this evening. Uh, They might be very specific things about the week that's to come, or it might be more general things about life, uh, your family, your career, or whatever. But the reason we are afraid, ultimately, is because we do not understand what the resurrection means. If we could grasp what it means that Jesus is alive, that he has conquered death, then our fears would reduce essentially to nothing. If we could truly understand what it means to have Jesus seated at the right hand of God, praying for us, uh, giving us power, giving us everything we need to accomplish his purposes in this world, we would have far less cause to fear. We're afraid because we do not understand the power of the risen Christ. We do not understand the significance of what the resurrection means to us and our everyday lives. Now, happily, the women didn't stay afraid. Uh, Mark doesn't give us the details of what happened next. I don't know why he doesn't. Uh, For whatever reason, he wanted to focus on the initial fear of the women. But thankfully, Matthew, he tells us what happens next. And if you were to turn, you don't need to worry about turning there now, but if you were to turn to Matthew's gospel, uh, we read how Matthew tells us how they flee from the tomb, but as they're journeying away from the tomb, someone meets them. And it's Jesus himself. Matthew writes, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. 
they saw for themselves the risen Christ. The angel had already told them that he was alive. They should have believed what the angel said, but they didn't. They were confused. But then they meet Jesus himself. And the first word he says to them is, rejoice. He says, do not be afraid. And that changes everything. Their fear is turned to joy. Their confusion is changed to rejoicing. Perhaps they didn't understand everything. Perhaps they could not grasp everything that had just been accomplished. But they understood the important thing, that the one they thought was dead was alive. And their fear is turned to joy because they met with the risen Christ. Do you know, it's the same for us today. Uh, We won't meet with Christ physically. We won't see him face to face until we see him in glory or when he returns. But we can meet with him through the pages of this book. And if you're afraid this evening, if you're trembling for whatever reason, like these women at the tomb, then look for Christ in his word. Meet with him in prayer. Listen to his words. And that is the antidote to fear. Meeting with the living, risen Christ. And when you see him, when you know him, all the other fears that we meet in life fall into their proper place. All the things which seem so big and seem so terrifying now will reduce and will become in our minds what they truly are because we will see Christ as he is. I remember it was said of David. Uh, Do you remember David when he faced Goliath? And the people, the children of Israel, they looked to Goliath the great giant, and they said, he's so big, we can't possibly win. But David, when he saw Goliath, said, my God is so big, I cannot possibly lose. They saw the same giant, they had the same fear, but in David's eyes, the giant had his true perspective because he knew is God. He knew the power of God made the power of the giant insignificant. And so it will be for us. The better we know Christ, the more we know the power of the risen Christ for ourselves, then all the other things which we naturally fear will diminish and we will see him all the more clearly. And trustfully, uh, next week we'll see how that was the case uh, for many others as they saw him. But we'll draw it to a close there and we'll sing our final hymn, which is a hymn again expressing joy in the fact that Christ is alive. And it's 239, thine be the glory, risen conquering sun, endless is the victory, thou o'er death hast won. Angels in bright raiment rolled the stone away, 
kept the folded grave clothes where thy body lay. So let's uh, close by singing this final hymn, number 239.